are in the book of beginnings, the 24th chapter. We will look at chapter 24 through chapter 25, verse 18 tonight. And most of you say, well, that's covering a lot of ground. It's more than that because chapter 24 has 67 verses. So you guys are going to have to listen fast. Okay, Uh, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll set the stage and bring to remembrance some of the things we've already looked at. Father, great are you, Lord Yahweh. I praise you for the amazing things that you do, the amazing things that you have done. Father, the amazing things that you will do. And Father, as we look at your book, the Holy Word of God, Father, we may we watch you reveal yourself to us on a personal level. And Father, may we understand our Savior and the sacrifice that is necessary. And Father, understand the coming kingdom and coming glory of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, you are an awesome God. You are a provider. You are a comforter. Father, you are a counselor, and Father, we draw to you now. We draw deep to you now. And Father, I just praise you for what you will show us. Father, help us. Help us to have ears to hear. Help us to have eyes to see. Help us to have hearts that are open to the wondrous news that you have given us. In Christ's name, amen. I started this back in January, and I laid out a, a kind of a, a a grid in which to look at all of Scripture in. Um, basically, five things that if you hold that up, they will help you. One was the Scripture reveals God all the time. Uh, even the book of Esther, God is never used. It's the only book in the Bible you will not find any form of the word God in it. And yet the whole book is God. Look what God does. But it also deals with sin and disobedience, its consequences, where it came from, why it came, and and all of those issues. But it also deals with faith and obedience. You are saved in the Old Testament as you are saved in the New Testament. It's through faith in the true and living God. And in that faith will come obedience. Okay, We obey that that we are mastered by. If we are mastered by sin, we will be obedient to sin. If I am mastered by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I will be obedient to Him. But we also looked and seen a Savior and a sacrifice. And I want you to hang on to that one. I'm going to come back to that one. Understanding that we were in desperate need of a Savior, and we also understand that without the shedding of blood, uh, uh, there is no forgiveness of sin. Okay, so there had to have been a sacrifice. The problem was is the sacrifice only had to be perfect. Okay, and uh, that gets a little complicated, but we'll see that unfold too. And, but we also needed to understand the coming kingdom and glory. And I want, you to, sh- I want to, sh- to focus that for a second because uh, I'm in a, I've been looking at the Old Testament prophets. It's basically Israel and the Old Testament prophets. Okay, and if you look at the Old Testament prophets, you can say nobody liked these guys. Well, you, you think I'm wrong. I don't care if it's Obadiah. Uh, I don't care who it is. When a prophet spoke, 
it's funny because everybody says it's, it's like Jonah. They said, well, they send Jonah. We, that just shows you've got to be a missionary because you've got to take the good news to people or you end up as bait. Okay. Truth of the matter is, Jonah wasn't taking good news. Okay. Jonah was taking very bad news. Okay. So that, see what we do wrong? See how we sort of, well, but no. Okay. A prophet speaks on behalf of God to the people. And usually if God gets to the point where he needs to send a spokesman, that means things are getting bad. Okay, I look at it today. My gift is on the prophetic side. Prophecy, speak before on behalf of God. I'm telling you what God is saying. Okay, and you know what the response a lot of times to me is? The same as the Old Testament prophets. I don't want to hear what you got to say. I mean, how many times, if I had a nickel for every time somebody says, man, you just mashed my toes, or man, you hurt my feelings, or man, you did this... I could quit doing this. <laughs> I would be a very wealthy man. Okay? But I never... It's not intentional. I want you to people to understand that. I've heard people say, Well, it sounds like you're mad. Well, maybe God is. And I'm just sharing the message. Because usually what I share, I share with because I have a passion. Okay? So when I look at that, I say, Man, every time these prophets step up, I'm sitting there going, Gee. I mean, I have seen phrasing that is amazing. Okay, uh, to the women of Israel, he calls them stubborn heifers. Try that from the pulpit and see what you get. Okay, <laughs> I, well, that's what he said. And I, there's some others that are even more graphic than that that I'm, I'll let you read it. <laughs> okay, because you guys say, he's making that up. That ain't in the Bible. I mean, we've already looked at it. He says, you will be, uh, there are some, he says, you will be as wild dogs. You are as wild goats. Okay, and then there's others. Okay, but when the prophet spoke, he's basically saying God is about to deal with you. Okay, every time. And what's amazing is in each of the prophetic books, you see something that's amazing. It may be a chapter, it may be a couple of chapters, it may be a paragraph. But it, you're always going to see it in there because the prophet and, and you guys go back and listen to my messages. You're going to find out that I do the same thing. And I like to tell you I planned it that way, but I never have. You got, that would imply I planned. And everybody's playing. He didn't plan. He's just cruising. <laughs> um, I've been there. Mind. Uh, that's an, a whole different story. Anyway, squeezed in the text of God's condemnation and promised wrath and judgment. You're always going to see an exert an exhortation of hope of restoration okay when you read the book of revelations i know a lot of people says well, i ain't reading that i've read that man you got a third of population is out of here you got seas given and i, I don't want but you know how the book starts out blessed is he who reads and heeds this book but when i read it i'm just sort of oh, dude <laughs> Okay, why? It already starts out with hope. Why? I like the end of the book. I mean, if you look around at the stuff that's going on in our society right now, in our world right now, it gets a little tough to be hopeful. 
I mean, you just sit there and go, we just go from one cataclysmic event to the next cataclysmic event and the next cataclysmic, you know, we're either going to be at war at this or we're going to do this or we're going to buy, whatever. Who's going to get the bomb? Who needs the bomb? Who's got a bomb? Who's going to blow up this? And, and, you know, who's starving here? You know, the Carton of Africa, for as long as I can remember, has been starving. Uh, well, and everybody says, well, we got to do something. Dude, a third of the continent's a desert. Is that that hard to figure out? I mean, I'm, I can't grow things. I grow weeds well. You can't grow weeds in the desert. Okay. All right. And then the other part of it is jungle. And everything that grows there is lions and tigers and bear. All right. But see, that's the thing. You know, I remember we were talking, Pastor Paul came, and we were, I took him up in the mountains. We was cruising around in the mountains. And he says, do you have any animals up here that can kill you? And I was like, what? <laughs> and he says, is, is it dangerous in the woods. Well, if you fall off a cliff, it's probably going to be a bummer. Um, you know, usually mountain lions are more afraid of you than you are of it. And so you have this flight thing. Uh, bears tend to just want your donuts. Uh, they're not really... I said, no, not really. I said, uh, we do have some rattlesnakes. And he says, well, I was just curious. I said, why? And he says, well, in my country, if you get off the trail, there's tigers. And I said, what? And he says, they like people to eat. I was like, perfect. <laughs> he says, now, when will you come and teach there? I'm not. <laughs> when you give me a big gun, <laughs> huge gun. <laughs> okay. Uh, but see, that's, that's the kind of stuff that when, when I look at the word of God, okay, yeah, there are this, this it, it, it comes to us as this harshness. And yet in the middle of this harshness, he always gives hope. Okay. With that as the foundation, I want to share with you where we're at because in chapter 24, verse 1 of Genesis, it says, Now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord, and Yahweh had blessed Abraham in every way. What are we coming out of? This is what I want to go back to the Savior sacrifice thing. Okay, let me share with you something, okay? This is a thing that I believe is missed most of the time in the study of Abraham. We always think about Isaac and offering him on the altar. You need to understand why Abraham went up there. Yes, God told him. But he makes a statement to his servants that I believe that you and I miss this day. They were going up on the mountain to what? To worship. Okay? Please understand this clearly. Worship demands sacrifice. You got that? Okay. Well, but he was, no, 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 no. He was not taking Isaac up to offer him as a sin offering. Please understand that. That is not in the text. When you study scripture, especially narratives, don't add to, don't take away, and don't imply. The narrative is the narrative is the narrative. If he wants a little more in there, he'll put a little more in there. But if it ain't in there, don't be subjective. Well, but it could, no, not in a narrative text. Okay. If you keep doing that in a narrative text, you'll end up in Waco with ATF outside your gates. Okay. Because you'll think you've got some insight into something that, and it ain't there. It's a narrative. It was given. It was written. The jot and the tittle exactly as God wanted to give. When God, when Abraham was told to take his son up to Mount Moriah, it was done as an act of worship. Yes, 
There are times in the atoning of sin where an animal was offered, a blood sacrifice was offered. Absolutely. What law was Abraham going by? He's 400 years before the law. He's going up to worship. Cain and Abel were going to what? Worship. They were not atoning for sin. It's never stated in the text. They were going to worship. And God in Cain's sight says, your worship is not worthy. You got that? So it starts early and finishes late. Is there a sacrifice demanded for the forgiveness of sin? Absolutely. But understand this. That's not what Isaac was doing or Abraham was doing with Isaac. He said, if you are going to worship me, you will not, you will be willing not even to spare your son. Grab hold of that thought for a second. If God asks you for your family as an act of worship to him, what's your response? He doesn't do that, really. If a man loves his father and mother more than me, he is not worthy of me. Anybody know where that's at? That would be in the New Testament, Matthew. Okay? So I want you to see these things. We, we, we get in our mindset and we start saying, well, this is, and I remember the story of this. But what does the text say? All right, with that, he says, God had, Yahweh had blessed Abraham in every way. What is that coming off of? Abraham's act of worship. Yes, he had buried his wife at the conclusion of chapter 23, but chapter 23 also deals with what? The offering of Isaac. Okay? Now, he's been blessed in every way, but it also says here he's very old. Well, I had 100 years old to have a child. Uh, where are we now? Well, we'll see this in a minute because we'll see the death of Abraham in chapter 25. All right, Abraham is very old. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who was in charge of all that he owned. Okay, so he had an, an executor, a steward of his household. Okay, please place your hand under my thigh and I will... I will make you swear by Yahweh, the God of heaven and God of earth, that you shall not take a wife, that you shall not take a wife for my son of the daughters of the Canaanites from among whom I live. But you shall go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. Okay, now stop right there. There's a whole lot of emphasis here, and people try to understand what this is. What do you mean he's grabbing him by the thigh bone? Some of your translations will say literally what it is doing is that he is making a, he's taking an oath on his circumcision. Okay, that's what the oath is. Okay, so what is the circumcision from, remember? It was a sign of the covenant with God. So who is he swearing to? Swearing to God. That I will not get a wife of the Canaanites for my son, but I will get a wife of my people. Now understand, they're all still the same people, but the Canaanites are cursed. Okay, all the way back to Noah, it says the Canaanites are cursed. Remember what it said. Who put the curse on it? Noah did. Why? Because 
Ham looked at Noah drunk and naked. Okay? The servant said to him, suppose the woman will not be willing to follow me back to this land. That's what I would do if I was a servant. Okay, I'll make the oath, but wait a minute. You could be sending me up there forever. <laughs> and, and you know, uh, What if she will not come back to me, follow me back to this land? Should I take your son back to the land from where you came? Okay, let's say I find a looker. Okay, good bloodlines. I'm going to take, she won't come back here. She won't leave mommy and daddy. So I come back and take Isaac up to her. Here's what Abraham's response is. Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. Yahweh, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth, who spoke to me, who swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give you this land. He will send his angel before you, and you will take a wife for my son there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from my oath. Not only to <clears throat> only do not take my son back there. This is an amazing statement. This is more profound than a lot of things that Abraham has done. Okay. Remember, Abraham went to the promised land. When he got to the promised land, this land that God said there was a famine there. So in his brilliance, he decided to go on to Egypt. When he got to Egypt, he found that he had a handmaiden that he could pick up cheap for his wife. And he gave it to his wife. And that woman's name was Hagar. Okay. You understand that? Has any problems come out of that little deal? Yeah. Okay. With lots, he took Lot out of the out of his land of his fathers because he needed to have an heir. Okay, what came out of that? Amorites and Edomites. Okay, both cursed people. Every time Abraham decided to help God, what did he do? Some awful ongoing consequences. Right. By now, look where Abraham's at. <laughs> don't leave the land, dude. <laughs> and don't marry outside of the land. Okay? Just do it the way I'm saying. Why? It's obvious that there's an angel involved. Think of the word angel. Think of this word. Anglios in the Greek meaning messenger. Messenger. This is a message. Okay? So he tells the servant, I want you to make an oath. You will make an oath based on the sign of the covenant with Yahweh. And in doing so, understand this, the angel will lead you to where you need to be. All right. And when you get there, if that person refuses to come back to this land, then you are no longer bound by that oath. Sounds good. So the servant placed his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten camels from the camels of his master, and he set out on a variety, set out with a variety of good things of his master's in hand. And he arose and he went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. He made the camels kneel outside the city by the well of the water at the evening time and the time when the women would go out and draw water. He said, O Lord, O Yahweh, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. That's a fascinating phrase right there, to be honest with you. Why? Show loving kindness to my master. How? 
How would God show loving kindness to one of His? In that text? What's He looking for? A wife for His son. Have you ever thought about that, praying for your kids? Father, show loving kindness to me by giving my child... the wife or husband that you would have? Anyway, behold, I'm standing by the spring and the daughters. Now, this is a guy sort of like a prayer. I'm standing by, I like this, I'm telling God where I'm at. I am standing by the spring and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, may it be that the girl to whom I say, please let down your jar so that I may drink and who answers drink and I will water your camels also. That's not a qualifier in a prayer, isn't it? Okay, anyway. Um, that she may be the one to whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac and by this I shall know you have shown loving kindness to my master. And it came about before he had even finished speaking. I like it when God does those things. I remember one time praying for a phone call. And when I got done, and I said, amen, the phone, I was paged. And I had a phone call. And I thought, well, that's kind of corny. And I picked up the phone, and it was the person I was praying would call me. And I was like, that's spooky stuff right there now. I don't like that kind of weirdy. Okay, anyway, I should have asked for the lotto numbers. Anyway, um, actually, there was no lotto when I prayed this. Um, and it came about before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor, Nahor, came out with her jar on her shoulder. Okay, what you're looking at would be in the classification of days, today's verbiage, grand niece. Okay, that's Rachel. And I like this next phrase, verse 16. See, if you pray for your, your child's spouse, then you see the girl was very beautiful. <laughs> see, if you pray, you're going to get a looker. <laughs> okay, sure you are. Um, yeah, that, we're, we're doing some quantum theology there now. We, we need to probably stay away. She was very beautiful, a virgin, and no man had relationships with her. And she went down to the spring and she filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your jar. And she said, Drink, Lord. Okay, now she's using the word master here. Okay, and she quickly lowered her jar with her hand and gave it to him. And when... Now, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water also for your camels until they have finished drinking. So quickly. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw, and she drew for all his camels. Interesting answer to prayer, isn't it? Meanwhile, the man was gazing at her in silence to know whether Yahweh had made this journey successful or not. Okay, see how we are? Ask specifically, God grants specifically, and then we wonder if it's real. <laughs> Is this real? Yeah. 
Then it came about when the camels finished drinking that the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel. Uh, half, that would be about a hundred. That's a big chunk. That's a big ring. Okay. And, you know, the girl's probably freaking out. Half shekel, two bracelets on her wrist weighing 10 shekels. Now, 10 shekels is about 150 grams. Okay. So, you know, this, she gets a bucket of water for the dude and feet, waters the camels, and now she's rich. <laughs> Okay. All right. But it's easy for a slave to give his master's stuff away. <laughs> okay. And said, whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there room for us to lodge in your father's house? And she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethel, the son of Melchah, and whom was born to Nahor. Again, she said to him, we have plenty of both straw and feed and room to lodge in. I'm thinking the lady's kind of excited right now, and I'll show you why. Then the man bowed low, and he worshipped Yahweh, and he blessed, and he said, Blessed be Yahweh, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master. As for me, Yahweh has guided me in the way of the house of my master's brothers. Then the girl, what? Ran. You know what that means, right? You ain't going to believe what I just happened to me. We got company coming and they're rich. <laughs> okay. She ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. And Laban ran outside to the man. Now, note the word there. He ran outside. This is a good guest. Treat this guest well. Okay. He ran outside to the man at the spring. And it came about that when he had saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist, and when he had heard the words of Rebekah, his sister saying, this is what the man said to me. He went to the man and behold, he was standing by the camels of the spring. And he said, Laban said, come in, blessed of Yahweh. Why do you stand outside since I have prepared the house and a place for the camels? So the man entered the house, then Laban unloaded the camels and he gave straw and feed to the camels and water to wash his feet and feet to, and feet uh, of the men who were with him. Okay. And then, but when the food was set before him to eat, he said, it will not, I will not eat until I have told my business. And Laban said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. Yahweh has greatly blessed my master so that he has become rich and he is giving him flocks and herds, silver and gold and servants and maids and camels and donkeys. Now Sarah, Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master in her old age and he has given him all that he has. For my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a a wife for my son from the daughter of the Canaanites, in whose land I live. But you shall go to my father's house and to my relatives and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Suppose the woman does not follow me. And he said to me, Yahweh, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you to make your journey successful and you will take a wife for my son from my relatives and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath and you will come to my relatives and if they do not give her to you, you'll be free from my oath. 
So I came today to the spring and said, Yahweh, the God of my master Abraham, if now you will make my journey on which I go successful, behold, I am standing by the spring, and it may be that the maiden who comes out to draw water, or to draw, and to whom I say, please let me drink a little water from your jar, she will say to me, you drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom Yahweh has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew, and I said to her, Please let me drink. And she quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will water your camels also. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethel, Nahor's son, whom Melchi bore to him. And I put the ring on her finger. Now it says, does it? It's nose and the bracelets on her wrist. Okay? I want you to understand, these are gifts for a bride. Okay, so she understood in the tradition of the country, she understood what was being done. All right, look what it says then. And I bowed low and worshiped Yahweh and blessed Yahweh, the God of my master Abraham, who had guided me in the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. So now. If you are going to deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, let me know that I may turn to the right hand or the left. Then Laban and Bethel uh, answered and said, this matter comes from Yahweh. So we cannot speak to you bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go. Let her be the wife of your master's son as Yahweh has spoken. And it came about when Abraham's servants heard these words that he bowed himself before, bowed himself to the ground before Yahweh. The servant brought out articles of silvers and articles of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and her mother. Interesting text, don't you think? Yahweh's getting around. Again, when you look at Scripture, ask yourself a question. Is God revealing himself? Oh, duh. Okay. I mean, it's a fascinating text. Um, he understood who... I mean, let's be realistic. We already understand that Abraham all had everybody in his household, even his purchased slaves, circumcised. So whether they believed in Yahweh or not, they understood Abraham, their master, had a principle. Okay, then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night. Then they arose in the morning and he said, send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, let the girl stay with us a few days, say 10 afterwards she may go. He said to them, do not delay me since Yahweh has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, we will call the girl and consult her wishes. 
And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Thus they sent away the sister Rebekah and her nurse with Abraham's servant and his men. They blessed Rebekah and said to her, verse 60, May our sister become thousands of ten thousands and may your descendants prosper the gate of those who hate them. Then Rebekah rose and her maids, they mounted the camels and they followed the man to the so the servant took Rebekah and departed. Now, Isaac had come from going to Ber Laharoi. Um, we're not really sure where that is. Okay? Um, for he was living in the Negev. Now, we know where the Negev is, but we don't know where this city is or the ruins of this place. Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. He lifted his eyes and he looked, and behold, camels were coming. Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. And she said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, He is my master. Then she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her to his mother Sarah's tent. Now remember, she's dead. And he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. Thus Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. How cool, huh? How cool. I like that. All right. A lot of implications here um, that we need to pay attention to. God had this planned. And I like the phrase, your loving kindness shown to your servant, Abraham. I like that. Why? God starts off very early. Listen, God's done some stuff. Remember there was a 40-day rain problem? Okay? I mean, we wouldn't look at that and say, loving kindness. Shoot. If you're a trout. Okay? But, But you see what I mean? And that's a little difficult to get excited about. But yet you see this in spite of it. And I look at it because in the spite of the failings of Abraham. Abraham, let's be realistic, today it has made a mess. Uh, part of Abraham's mess you're dealing with today, we are dealing with today. Okay? I'm not directly, but why does everything seem to end up back in the Middle East? All right? Well, that's where it started and guess where it will conclude? No worries. All right? And yet God in his loving kindness said, this is how we will do it. Okay, now I want to move into chapter 25. The first 11 verses deal with the death of Abraham. And there's some fascinating stuff here. Now, Abraham took another wife whose name was Kitra. Okay, Um, this is kind of fascinating because in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 132, and in this text also, we find out that she's a concubine. Okay, and that's different than a porcupine. Okay, I'll let you do your own research and find out. Can both of them be bristly? Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) There's no doubt in my mind they can both be bristly. Okay, but Abraham, now listen. Abraham's not a spring chicken. Okay, but he wants a woman and he gets one. And she bore him and she lists off some names here, which is fascinating because these names show up in the early archaeological digs of tribes of 
uh, of the Arabs. Okay, uh, Zimran, uh, Jokashan, uh, Medan, Midian. Uh, just go through the list there. You see them. Um, all these were sons of this concubine. Okay. But here's an interesting thing. Now watch what happens there in verse 5. Now Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But look what he says. But to the sons of his concubines, all right, Abraham gave gifts while he was still living. Now see, that's not appropriate. You're not supposed to give. Uh, if you've ever read uh, the parables of uh, the prodigal son, okay, uh, it's not really the uh, prodigal son. It's a father and two sons is the story. Uh, for some reason, we call it the prodigal son, but it says it's. I mean, it's like a two sons and a father's. I mean, that's what Jesus calls the story. But if you read that story there, the 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 shamefulness, the greatest shame is the youngest son says, "Give me my inheritance." Okay, you know what that means? I don't care if you're alive or dead. Give me the cash. I mean, that's really what is stated there. Abraham did this. He gave to these sons. Why? Go back to it. He says to his servant, don't take a wife from the land of the Canaanites. Go to this place. Well, what if she won't come? Well, I take your son back. What's his response? No, 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 no. Don't go back. Every time I've gotten out of that model, I've gotten in trouble. Okay, so he says, don't go back. Here, he says, I will help my sons, but everything I have, the bulk of it, will go to where? And it starts off in chapter 24, verse 1. It says, God had what? Abraham. Blessed him. How? With everything. Gold, silver, livestock. Okay, all right. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gifts while he was still alive. And he sent them away from his son Isaac. And he sent them eastward to the land of the east. These are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived. 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and he died in a ripe old age, I would say. An old man and satisfied with life. And he was gathered to his people. Now, I want you to look at that phrase right there at the end of verse 8. He was gathered to his people, okay? It's an indication that if you died, you were regarded, your people were still existing. Do you understand that? Do you know what they're saying? This is a testimony to a belief of an afterlife. Uh, I see people trying to argue today that the afterlife is something new. Um. Abraham believed it. I mean, I see it in the 25th chapter. He was gathered to his people. Who was that? That would be his relatives who had died. Okay. His son Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machlephah, uh, the field of, you know, that place right there outside of Hebron, or which is now Hebron. Okay. Uh, they know where this tomb is, uh, and you can't get near it because there's a mosque on it. Go figure. Okay, that's why the Arabs are mad and they say that we are children of Abraham. And in essence, they are, but they are not heirs. Okay, but they built a little mosque on his grave and said, na 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 we got daddy's body. Um, and we see how... That. It, it, it's silly because it's just like they put a uh, on the east wall, on the east slope, 
both sides actually, the Jews on one side, the Muslims on the other side of the Temple Mount, okay, because Jesus said he would return from the east, and if he's a holy man, he can't walk in a cemetery, so if we put a bunch of dead bodies up there, he can't enter like he said he would. Uh, it, I thought, oh, brilliant, why didn't I think of that? Uh, it's like uh, when they were first evangelizing the, the, the island of Japan, uh, you had the samurais and everything, they were afraid of the resurrection, so the samurais would cut off the missionaries' head, and they would have riders take them to the north end of the island. Okay, now, you know how big Japan is. That's a big island. So they kill their bodies down here on the southern end, take their heads to the north end, and they said, you can't be resurrected because God won't be able to get your heads back with the right body. Okay, and I just look at it and go, yeah, what did I think of that? <laughs> okay, but th- this is some of the stuff. All right. <clears throat> they buried Abraham. I like the fact that Ishmael was there. I like the fact that uh, God promised Abraham's life would be satisfied. It says that it was. It says that he would live to be old, and he did. And the turmoil that is about to set into the area, he is not a part of. He said that your people would be in bondage for 400 years in Egypt. He's already told them that. But don't worry, all this heartache and all this suffering, you will not be a part of. And I mean, don't get me wrong, he had some issues, but God honored it. Okay, so now then I want to look at 12 through 18 and we see the descendants of Ishmael. Now these are the records of the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's maid, bore to him. Okay, and there's a list of names here. Okay, and he lists off, and a lot of these you will find in the early tribal records of the Arabs today. Okay, uh, these names of the son of Ishmael were by their names in order of their birth. And the firstborn, and he just goes right on through the list there. Um, uh, but I want you to look at verse 17 because that ha- brings that another phrase back in. And I want to show you this again because remember what I said. When you look at Scripture, even if it's a narrative text, you look at it as the revealing of God, sin and disobedience, faith and obedience, and Savior sacrifice, and the coming kingdom and glory. Look what it says in verse 17. These are the years of the life of Ishmael. 137 years. And he breathed his last and died and what? Gathered to his people. They believed in a life after death. They settled in Havilah to Sur, which is east of Egypt as one goes towards Syria. He settled in defiance of all of his relatives. Okay, guess what? Still today. Still today. Okay? Um, it's, it's really amazing stuff. You need to understand that. He said that you will be hated by even your own people. And they are. Okay? If you take... Listen, if you take Israel out of the Middle East, what happens? They fight each other. Why? Because that's just the way they are. That's the way God said they would be, and that's what they do. You know, and I, and I get into this. It's, it's funny because um, you hear it today. People will say, how can you train up your children? How can a mother make her child be this suicide bomber? It's their nature. I mean, that's what they expect. Well, that's all to your culture. To my culture. 
Not to their culture. Why? What is the single most important thing? Family. Whatever is asked of the family. Period. Even if I want you to strap a bomb on and go sit on a bus and blow yourself up. Oh, great. Because there will be a great reward. Okay? You've got to get a hold of this stuff. Where did this start? You know, when I I listen to people trying to understand this and get a handle on this, and, and I hear all the cliches and all the rest of it, this started a long time ago. You'll be as a wild goat. Guess what? He's a wild goat. Not only that, it says he will be in defiance of all of his relatives. Which would that be? Well, first and foremost would be his little brother, Isaac. Right? Are they still? Yeah, you could say that. All right? So just go down the line. I want you guys to see this stuff because God is revealing this is what's going to be like and this is the way it is. God has not made it odd. He's made it so. So now we have looked through the marriage of Isaac, the death of Abraham, and the descendants of Ishmael. And it is exactly as God plans it. Please understand that. God is revealing himself. He's showing us so early what sin and disobedience is, but he also shows us what faith and obedience is. Okay? He's shown us sacrifice. He's shown us Savior. Why? I love that phrase, loving kindness of, to your master. Why? Loving kindness. Listen, this is a man who's been blessed with all the temporal things. And he says, but I want you to show loving kindness by giving a wife to my son. I think that's cool. I think that's cool. We think we go out and pick our husbands and wives. You know, in some cases, <laughs> maybe we did. But nobody got married by accident. God didn't say, well, you weren't supposed to marry that person. How did you pull that off? Why? God knows exactly what's going on before it even happens. And you can see that over and over, and I can even chase it all the way back. So remember this. Worship demands a sacrifice. But through faith and obedience, I will experience His loving kindness. Even in, in details such as, Who will my child marry? Great is thy faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the model of Abraham before our lives this day. Father, I thank you that you are so faithful, even when Abraham wasn't. And Father, the same is with us. When we are faithless, Father, you are faithful. Father, that uh, still is amazing to me. I praise you for that. I am overwhelmed by that. Father, let us who gather here by your name understand that worship demands a sacrifice. And it comes from each of us. And I praise you that you draw us to your kingdom, that you draw us to your altar, that, Father, we may come before you, bow our knees in humility, in adoration, at the majesty and the glory of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Christ, in Christ alone. Amen.